Well, hey everybody, welcome to Gilbert Church. It's really good to have you with us today, whether you're at one of our campuses or watching this message online somewhere. Uh, we are in the third week of a series called The God That I Wish That You Knew. And sometimes I'll be talking to a person about their views about God, and they'll say things like this. They'll say, you know, God is irrelevant to my life. He doesn't care about the problems that I'm going through. He can't do anything about the problems that I'm going through. Or they'll say, you know, God could never forgive me. I've done some really bad things in my life. And whenever I'm having those conversations with a person, I catch myself thinking, that's not Jesus. That's not the God of the Bible. The God that I wish that you knew, he receives you just as you are, no matter who you are or what you've done. The God that I wish you knew, he wants the very best for your life. And today's message is titled, God is a Refuge, because the God that I wish that you knew will be your refuge and your strength. When you don't feel like you can lift all of your burdens on your own, he will lift them for you. I've told this story before about eight years ago, but when I was in high school, I was a pretty skinny and scrawny kid. I know that's shocking when you look at my chisel physique today, but <laughs> back then I was pretty scrawny. And so I used to go to the Northwest Athletic Club over in Eden Prairie to lift weights. And one day I was there just bench pressing free weights, no spotter, when I looked over to my right and I saw a woman who was bench pressing more weight than I was. Now, if that happened today, I would be perfectly fine with that, okay? I'm secure in my manhood. I'm sure there are lots, well, hopefully not lots, but there's some women who can bench press more weight than I can, and I'm perfectly fine with that. But as an insecure high school student, that was a little bit much for me to take. And so I decided I'm going to load up the weights and show this lady what's up. So I did, piled on the weights, Went down, and for the first four or five reps, I was doing just fine. I mean, I'm looking over at her like, what's up now, lady? But if you've ever lifted weights before, you know there's kind of this strange phenomenon where you can be going along just fine, and all of a sudden, you feel your muscles give out. And so I went down for about the sixth rep, and I could just feel my muscles completely give out. Now, my right arm is a little bit stronger than my left, and so I was able to push that up a tiny bit, but I could not budge my left hand. I had a vein bulging out of my neck. I'm convulsing on this bench press, trying to lift this bar up, but I could not get it to move. As all this is going on, there's a man on the other end of the weight room, which is like a mile away. He was working on his legs, and he's one of these guys who takes his weightlifting very seriously. So he's got the spandex shorts and the spandex tank top. <laughs> takes his weightlifting very Seriously, and so somehow across the room, he sees me, you know, convulsing on this bench trying to get the bar up. And so he takes off at a dead sprint to try to get towards me. And as he's running to me, he yells out, loud enough for the entire weight room to hear him, Hold on, little buddy! And so I look up over the bar, and I see this guy, and he's like pushing people out of the way, jumping over weight machines, and the whole time he's continuing to yell out, hold on, little buddy. <laughs> he finally gets to me, and with one arm, he just goes, whoop, plops the bar up for me. <laughs> and then he looks at me, and he goes, good thing I saw you, huh? I said, I'd rather be unconscious, trapped underneath that bar right now than to face the embarrassment of everybody in this room staring at me. 
That's not a bad analogy for, unfortunately, how some of us approach our life. In fact, imagine with me for just a moment that these weights represent a problem or a burden that you have right now. Maybe for some of us, our burden or our problem in life is one of our kids. Our son or daughter is just really struggling with something, and it's one thing when you're struggling, but when you have to watch one of your kids go through that, that's tough. Or maybe for you, it's a divorce. This last year has just been a really hard year for you emotionally, and it's felt like a weight in your life. Maybe for you, the burden or the problem is more internal. It's, it's depression. It's anxiety. Others of us, it might be conflict with in-laws or family members. Could be a dating struggle that you're going through. But what are those one or two weights or burdens in your life right now? I don't know what that weight is for you, but here's what I do know. I do know that you can't lift it all on your own. I mean, you can lift it for a little while, but eventually your spiritual muscles are going to give out. In fact, if some of us were honest here today, we would say, you know, I need help. I need strength. I have a weight or a burden in my life that feels like it is just crushing me right now. What if I told you that the God of this universe is standing by and with one powerful arm he can go like this and he can lift those burdens or those weights off of you? Look what the Bible says about this in the Psalms. God is speaking to his people and he says, I will steady him or her with my hand. God says, with my powerful arm, I will make him or her strong. You may feel weak right now, but God can make you strong. With his powerful arm, he can lift those burdens off of your life. That is the God that I wish that you knew. He is a refuge. What is a refuge? Well, to answer that question, it might be good to look at what a physical refuge is and then see if there's a spiritual connection. So imagine for a moment that you get caught in a storm and the rain or the snow is just pounding down on you, you're shivering, your feet are aching, your body is about to give out. And all of a sudden, you look up and you see a deserted cabin. And you get in that cabin and you start a fire in the fireplace and you start warming yourself up and kind of getting your bearings again. That cabin is a refuge for you. In the same way, when the Bible says that God is a refuge, that's sort of what it means. In a spiritual sense, a refuge is a shelter where you can escape from the harsh realities of this life. It's a protected environment where you can rest and regroup and kind of get your bearings again before you go out into the world. When the storms of life are pounding down on you, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that can provide peace and protection. Which is why I want to show you a verse from Psalm 46 that I hope that you will consider memorizing this week. It's such a great verse. It says this, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Notice the personal pronoun here, our. He's our strength. He's our refuge. God wants each of us to be able to say today, he's my refuge. He's my strength. Do you know God that way? Or is God more like an idea to you, a concept, someone that you think about once a week in church? Or can you say, no, no, he's, he's not just an idea. He's my refuge. He is my strength. And when is God ready to help? Sometimes. Most of the time, no, he says, always ready to help in times of trouble. Big trouble, little trouble, you name it. 
Another translation of this verse puts it this way. It says that God is our refuge and strength. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. An ever-present help. There has never been a moment in your life when God wasn't present. You may not have felt it. You may not have seen it. But he was there. When I was depressed and homesick as a freshman in college, my God got me through that. He was an ever-present help in that dorm room. When one of my mentors died in a motorcycle accident in his late 30s, early 40s, my God got me and many of his other family members and friends through that time. He was an ever-present help in a time of grief. I see that now, but here's the thing. Often we see God most clearly in the rearview mirror. Here's what I mean by that. When you look back on your life, oftentimes you go, yeah, I, I see it. I see how God was my strength. I see how God got me through that time. But when you're actually in it and you're looking into the future, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But here's what you need to know. If God was a refuge in the past, he will be your refuge in the present. A while back, I got some criticism that really bothered me. I felt like it was unfair. And so it was one of those things where you kind of start replaying conversations in your head and you start ruminating on it throughout the day. And so finally, at about one o'clock, I drove over to Rice Creek Park and just took a walk. And I started to pray to God. And the first half hour of that walk or so, I was just venting. I mean, just complaining about the situation. But about halfway through, I felt something begin to shift. I started to forgive this person. I started to see the truth in what they had said and how I could apply that into my own life. And by the time I got back in that car, I felt a sense of peace. When people ask me, well, what does it mean that God is a refuge? It's such a vague concept, right? I mean, what, what does that really mean? What am I supposed to do? I say, this is it. Whenever you're bothered by something, whenever you're sad about something, whenever there's something in your life that you're stressed about and you're anxious about, you go and you talk to God. There's no hidden formula here. You have to get away from everyone and everything and you have to pour out your heart to God. Look what the Bible says about this in Psalm 62, verse 8. It says, Oh, my people, trust in him, trust in the Lord at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Notice the connection between pouring out your heart and God being a refuge. In other words, when you pour out your heart to him, you are making him your refuge. And so let me ask you, is there any area of your life right now where you need to pour out your heart to God? You've been anxious about it. You've been worried about it. You've thought about it. You've talked to other people about it. But have you poured out your heart to God? Sometimes I'll be talking to a person who's not really a follower of Christ. And after we get past the whole, you know, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good kind of thing. And we start talking about what's really going on in their life. They'll start to describe their circumstances to me. And I'll think, you need a refuge. I was talking to a person a few weeks ago, and she was struggling with anxiety really bad. And then just a little bit later, I talked to a person who could not even hardly get out of bed in the morning. They were so depressed. Then I talked to a woman who had lost both of her parents within this past year. And I talked to a man whose father was starting to have delusional spells where he was losing his personality at the end of life. I know business executives who travel so much, and they're so tired. 
they're running on fumes emotionally and they hardly even realize it anymore. And you talk to these people and what you realize pretty quick is they need a refuge. They need a place to rest and regroup and get their bearings before they head out into the world again. In fact, let me ask you, have you ever had a time in your life where you just wanted to escape? I, I do this sometimes. If I get really busy or stressed or bothered about something, I'll start to daydream about escaping. I have this one daydream where I have a cabin out in the middle of Wyoming. And for those of you who are extroverts, you're like, that just sounds awful. But I hunt my own food. Bob was like, you'd starve. You don't even know how to hunt. I'm like, it's my daydream. I know how to hunt in my daydream, okay? But I would hunt my own food. In the summertime, I could sit out on a screen porch. In the wintertime, I would sit by a wood-burning fireplace, watch sports on DirecTV at night. That just sounds so relaxing to me. And maybe you've had situations like this where you start to dream about, well, what if I could just escape? This is why a lot of people turn to drugs and alcohol. They want to escape reality and forget their problems for a while. That's why some people look to food, shopping, fantasies, pornography. That's why some people count down the days until their next vacation. But none of it works. Because eventually the vacation's over. And eventually you come off the high. And eventually the fantasy ends, which is why I want you to see, whatever you run to is your refuge. When you get stressed out, if you run to the fridge, that fridge has become your refuge. If you turn to fantasies or pornography or even fitness, then that has become your refuge. Whatever you run to is your refuge. But God is the only refuge that lasts, so run to him. In fact, in our time left, let me give you two ways that you can run to God as your refuge. The first one is this, call out to God for help. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but there might be someone here who says, you know, I, I need help. I need financial help. I, I need relational help. I'm dating relationship. I'm still struggling with this right now. I, I need help in a certain area of my life. The question is, where is that help going to come from? Is it going to come from the government? I mean, if you can elect the right president, is that the help that you need? Is it going to come from your employer? If you get a big Christmas bonus check, is that the help that you need? Where is your help going to come from? In Psalm 121, verse 2, David writes these words. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Let me remind you today that if God made the heavens and the earth, then he can help you in your life. One of my favorite parts of Kyle Eidelman's message when he spoke here at our church in October was when he talked about this simple prayer of, Lord, help me. Some of us may need to pray this week, you know, God, my teenager is emotionally a ticking time bomb. I mean, they just explode at me, and they don't respect me, and they don't listen to me. You need to sit back, Lord, help me. My spouse, I don't think they love me anymore. They're cold-hearted, they're critical to me. Lord, help me. I've got a conversation coming up this week that I do not want to have. It's going to be awkward. It could go really bad, but I know that I have to have it. Lord, help me. Is there an area of your life where you need to kneel before God this week and you need to pray this simple prayer, Lord, help me? As Pastor Craig Rochelle says, kneeling in prayer gives you the strength to stand. 
Some of us don't even feel like we can stand up to face the week that we have ahead of us. You kneel in prayer. Because kneeling in prayer gives you the strength to stand. And when you do that, when you call out to him, you will find he is your refuge. He is your strength. He is your ever-present help in a time of trouble. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. A little bit later in that same psalm, David says this. He says, the Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. Do you buy that? That the Lord keeps you from all harm? Because I'll tell you what, I don't know that a day goes by that I don't hear about a shooting in San Bernardino, a bombing in Paris, protesters' racial tension, inflammatory comments. Not a day goes by that I don't hear about a person attempting suicide, getting into a car accident, or finding out they have some illness or disease. In fact, I was just reading an article on how to prevent cancer. There was 30 different ways. It's like you got to get enough vitamin D. Use natural deodorant and cleaning products. You've got to not microwave things in plastic. Eat your fruits and veggies, but make sure you wash them really well. And I don't know if I'm alone in this, but articles like that just increase my anxiety. I forget to wash my apple, and I'm like, I'm going to get cancer. Just took three years off your life. You know how many chemicals are on that thing? It's no wonder that Harvard University recently released a study where they found that the average American has a higher level of anxiety than at any other point in history. It's because we have access to more information and news than ever before, but we have not developed a greater capacity to deal with the dangers of life. And there are a lot of dangers of life. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says our bodies, they're weak. Even as a follower of Christ, you're going to die. You can get in a car accident. All sorts of things can happen to you. Your your body is not going to protect you. But then listen to what Paul writes next. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. You feel like that ever? Some of us right now feel like, well, I I got financial trouble. I got relational trouble. I got car trouble. I mean, I'm just being pressed on every side by trouble. Jesus says, in this life, you're going to have trouble. I mean, you you can expect it. You can bank on it. Being a follower of Christ, making God as your refuge, doesn't mean that you're immune from the troubles of life. But here's what it does mean. Here's the difference between the person who's made God a refuge and the person who hasn't. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We're perplexed. We can't figure out why God's allowing this and why we're having to go through this in life, but we don't give up. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. Maybe a good visual for this is knocker ball. Have you ever heard of this before? I watched a YouTube video of this knocker ball, and I thought, I would love to try that at some point. It's this inflatable ball that you get into, and it allows you to hit people and not get hurt. You've got to see this. Take a look. Well, hey, I'm here with Joe from Knockerball, Minneapolis. And Joe, ever since I saw the video for this, I was like, I have got to give that a try. Yeah, it's great. Hit each other as hard as you want. Don't get hurt. Yep, don't feel a thing. We're going to play a little bit of soccer here in just a moment. And so I have gathered up some fellow staff members to play with me. I've even got video guy Jim to referee for us. Let's go get started. 
guys, I want a fair game. Keep it clean. Game on! Jason Anderson and I, Jason Anderson is our campus pastor at Woodbury, we hit each other so hard at one point, both of our legs flew up in the air and we kicked each other as we were falling backwards. It was awesome. I got to tell you, that was so much fun. It's, it's such a great feeling when someone's not really looking at you and you just pound them and send them flying like 10 yards down the field. But in the spirit of transparency, I do have to tell you that Kenny Bristol, our worship pastor at White Bear Lake, broke his shoulder blade on the very first hit of the entire video shoot, which was scary, and we've been praying for Kenny and his healing, but also completely ruined the analogy that I was trying to make. <laughs> because what I wanted you to picture was I wanted you to picture God's refuge like a knocker ball around you. And you get into this refuge, it's a covering, it's a protection for you, but just because you have God as a refuge, it doesn't mean you're not going to take some hits in life doesn't mean you're not going to fall down in life. You're going to face trouble. You're going to have pain. But look at what Paul writes again. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're not broken. Why? Because God is like a knocker ball around you. He protects you. You're not crushed. You're not broken. Unless your name is Kenny, and then you're crushed, and then you're broken. <laughs> we get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. How is a person able to do that? I mean, how is a person able to be knocked down in life but get up and keep going again? Here's the answer, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. He is an ever-present help in trouble. Even if the stock market collapses, even if ISIS begins to win victories right here in the United States, I want you to declare with me today that this is still our Father's world. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our ever-present help in a time of trouble, and we will call out to him. It's the first way to run to God as a refuge. The second way to run to God as a refuge is this. Enter in. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 91. It says, If you make the Lord your refuge, 
If you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Notice this word, if. This is a conditional promise. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make him your shelter. In other words, it doesn't just happen. You have to make him your refuge. For example, God told Noah that he was going to destroy the earth with a flood. But Noah was a righteous man, and so God told him to build an ark. Very literally, that ark was Noah's refuge. But guess what? He had to enter in. He had to walk onto the ark. Some people seldom experience God as a refuge in their life because they never enter in. They're content to stand on the outside of the window looking at the fire crackling in the fireplace on the inside. And how do you enter in? Well, you do it the same way Noah did, by faith. Noah believed that that ark was going to be his refuge. Now, that seems like kind of a duh statement to us today because we read the Noah's Ark story to our kids before bed. And there's the lion and the lamb, and they're walking together onto the boat, and there's the giraffe peeking out the window because he's too tall for the boat. We read that story to our kids. But imagine if you were Noah for just a moment, and God comes to you and he says, I'm going to destroy the earth in a flood. But this flood doesn't come the next week. It doesn't come, actually, for 120 years later. Noah was building the ark for 100 years. You've got to think that around year 50, some people were beginning to mock him. You know, nice boat, moron. Where's the flood? Come on. But Noah believed that God was who he said he was and that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. That's faith. And it always comes down to faith. In fact, there are some theologians that don't believe that Noah's ark is anything other than just a fairy tale. They're like, come on, you got a lion and a lamb, and they're going to get on the boat? The lion's going to eat the lamb at some point here. It says nothing other than a fairy tale. In fact, the renowned theologian Miley Cyrus, <laughs> commenting on the Noah's ark story in Genesis 6, she said this. She said, that's insane. We've outgrown that fairy tale like we've outgrown Santa and the tooth fairy. Now, I would actually agree with her except for the fact that God created the world with one spoken word, and Jesus Christ died and then came back to life. If God can create the world with one spoken word, if Jesus can die and then resurrect back to life, then I'm pretty certain he could get a lion and a lamb to be nice to one another for a short period of time. But here's my point. If you're skeptical of Christianity, don't just parrot cliches about Santas and fairy tales. Read a book about the historical evidence for the resurrection. I think you'll be shocked at the factual evidence that a man named Jesus died, but then physically and literally came back to life again. But it's actually Miley Cyrus's tone that gets to my point. Because the moment that you say, I'm going to make Jesus Christ the refuge of my life, you will have somebody who will say, That's insane. You're crazy. One of my Facebook friends is a pastor from out of state, and I actually don't think I've ever met this pastor before, so I'm not sure how we became Facebook friends, but there was this 25-year-old girl named Jessica. And one day on Facebook, she posted a picture of this pastor baptizing her. And because she tagged this pastor, her picture came up in my feed. And I was so touched by this picture. I showed it to my wife, and I said, isn't that what it's all about? 
And my wife Sarah said, well, you should message her and encourage her and tell her how proud you are of her. And I was like, that's weird. But I did it. So I, I messaged this girl. I said, this is creepy, but I, I just want to know what brought you to, the, to that point. And she messaged back to me and she said, I had lost everything. It's a single parent of a two-year-old and a four-year-old. I'd just gotten kicked out of my house, moving from place to place, basically homeless. A few of my family members cut me off. Not many of my friends were willing to help. But then one day, a friend invited me to church. And at that church, I heard a message that Jesus Christ could save me. And I knew that's exactly what I needed. Jessica may not have had a home for a while, but she now has a refuge. And his name is Jesus Christ. And she is in the process right now of Jesus healing her and restoring her and helping her regroup as she heads back out into the world. I was so excited for her that I scrolled down to look at the comments, thinking that everybody was going to be as excited about this as I was. The first comment was from one of her, I think, good friends. And I'm going to read this comment to you in its entirety, right underneath her baptism picture. She wrote this, Jesus isn't real. But if that figment helps you get through life, then by all means, cling to that fairy tale. But just so you know, life will only take you where you want to be. Don't give your credit to some imaginary man in the sky. You are the only person who can get you where you want to be. I don't know how Jessica's story will end, but I do know that it's going to come down to faith. Will she listen to her friend, or will she listen to the word of God? Will she believe in herself as her friend is advocating that she do, or will she believe in Jesus Christ? Will she put her faith and her trust in her own powers and abilities, or will she put her faith and her trust in God and his strength and his power in her life? Her friend does a pretty good job of laying down the gauntlet. You got to pick one. Who are you going to run to when your life gets stressful? Who are you going to run to when you're bothered by something or when you're sad about something? You got to pick one. And that's what I would say to all of us today. Who are you going to run to? Where are you going to go? You got to pick one. For those of us that don't run to Jesus Christ as a refuge, I can almost hear his gentle invitation to you today. He's whispering, come. Let me just hide you for a little bit. You know that spouse that's cold-hearted and, and critical? and Let me just hide you and help you have a break and a rest for a little bit of time. And you know that financial situation in your life that feels like it's just crushing you? Let, let, let me just shelter you from that for a little bit. And let me just give you some hope for a while as you talk to me and pour out your heart to me. And you know that situation in your life that you're so worried about and you're so stressed about? Let me just cover you and let me protect you for a while. And let me help restore you as you go out into the world and face into your life. Some people say that Jesus is a crutch. I say Jesus is a refuge. And if you have never experienced Jesus as a refuge in your life, I want that for you. You will find that the opposition is less intense. And you will find that there is this God who will wrap his arms around you and he will be your refuge. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. I want to challenge you to get alone with God for one hour. 
Get away from everyone and everything else. Go take a walk. Grab your Bible. Spend one hour with God just pouring out your heart to him. And you will find that he is your strength. He is your refuge. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. That is the God that I wish we all knew. Let's all stand together as we close in prayer at all of our campuses. God, I pray right now in this moment that you would minister to people. God, there might be somebody here who came to church today feeling as if these burdens were kind of crushing them. And there's something in their life that they're going, Lord, I just, I need help, please. God, I pray right now in this moment that you would just heal them, restore them. As, as they spend an hour with you this week, God, I pray that you would be a refuge to them, a place where they can get away from the harsh realities of life and just experience your love and your peace and your protection, God. God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would give us hope, that you would give us a sense of your ever-presence in all the troubles that we face in life. And God, we thank you that we have a place that we can run to. That when life gets really difficult and feels like it's pressing in against us and there's trouble everywhere, God, that we have a place, we have a person in Jesus Christ that we can run to as our refuge. God, I pray that you would be that for our church this week, that you would be a refuge for us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, come on down front. Otherwise, have a great day, everybody.